Excellence Expected, the inspirational business advice podcast. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Excellence Expected with me, Mark Asquith. Now, there's never, ever been a better time to start a business. Never have you had more opportunity, more drive or more support throughout the world. And I'm I'm saying this from the north of the UK, and this is a pretty difficult place to start a business historically. And it feels like there's so much opportunity out there. But the old cliche, you have to speculate to accumulate still holds true. Now, for a lot of people, that's not necessarily a problem. But look, if you've got a startup idea and you need to access finance or you need to secure some funding, that can be a real challenge. And actually, that's what we're going to look at today. We're going to look at securing funding if you are a startup and how that can be really quite intimidating. But actually, we're going to look at three ways that you can start to access that right away. And with me today is someone that's got such a wealth of experience in this field, someone that through Startup Direct has actually helped over 700 startups access funding and mentoring. So it gives me great, great pleasure to welcome to the show, Mr. James Patterson. Hi there, Mark. Thank you so much for joining me, sir. And I mean, what an interesting time it is for people starting businesses. I mean, everyone seems to be wanting to do it, don't they? Yeah, I think uh, we're in a bit of a, a kind of golden age at the moment for startup businesses um, around the world, but uh, definitely in London uh, and the UK. Yeah, it's definitely got a vibrancy to it. And it's something that, you know, I mean, we, we personally, I work in the sort of tech sector, the digital sector, but, you know, the bricks and mortar businesses that are springing up, the town centre regenerations that are going on, it feels like the UK is kind of finally getting back on track with this, doesn't it? Yeah, definitely. Um, I think you do have that mix. I mean, we support both tech businesses and and your kind of bricks and mortar traditional um, startups as well. And and you're seeing not only demand from the startups um, starting out, but then when it comes to finance, you're seeing all these new types of funding options available, which has kind of now come up to meet the demand of of all these people starting their own business. So it's it's almost kind of um, the perfect time really to to start your business and to get it funded. Absolutely. I totally agree with that. And I think it is such an interesting time. And before we actually dig into this topic, I'd like to just set the scene a little bit, James. So what is Startup Direct? And actually, what's your background, sir? Yeah, sure. So I spent uh, about 10 years uh, working in investment banking and asset management uh, for large corporates, um, which, you know, it was it was good, good fun, but um, never really loved it. It was kind of never something that I wanted to do um, you know, as a career for the rest of my life. And so I actually uh, spent many a, many a month uh, building different business plans and, and thinking about startups that I could start myself. Um, and I actually quit three different jobs to start three of my own startups. Um, and all of which I figured out later that I started for the wrong reasons and they all actually failed in the end. Um, but uh, over the years of uh, starting those businesses, the amount that I learned um, starting and failing and, and making contacts along the way and then next time getting a bit further um, was probably the best education I could ever ever have had. Um, and I always encourage uh, startups as well, to, if they're doing similar, to, to just go for it and, and that you do learn along the way and hopefully you can get um, tools from us um, to, to help you along the way so you don't make as, 
as many big mistakes out too, too early on. But after, um, after running those three startups, I then moved to London and I was again working for an asset um, manager. Um, quite a large company and I was running a startup on the side with a friend of mine so that was my fourth um, and this one was actually going okay um, it was it was going along earning a nice income but um, I was also doing some advising with startups on the side so um, on my weekends in the evenings I'd be advising startups on things like angel investment uh, getting their business plans together their executive summary doing a bit of coaching as well so it was a mix of that and the coaching side of things and that was what I really loved. And I thought, okay, how can I do this full time? I love starting my own business, but to do that, helping other startups would be kind of a dream come true, really. And, and that's when um, Startup Direct uh, was born, which is very much involved in helping startups with that early stage of funding, um, specifically as part of the uh, government startup loan scheme. I love it. So you've really, you really have walked that path and, and, you know, the experience that you can bring to people starting up in business. It sounds... It sounds really, really varied. And I mean, it's certainly something that I probably don't know as much as I should about in terms of accessing finance and accessing funding. So what are the different ways that people can start to access finance then, you know, especially kind of in the UK? What can people really do? What's out there? Yeah, so I'll talk specifically today uh, around early stage funding options. So that's in, um, someone from anywhere from someone with an idea all the way up to business trading um, for maybe sort of two, three years, so that kind of early stage seed funding. And, I mean, there's there's quite a few options out there. So if you're looking for – a lot of it depends how long you've been trading. A lot of it also depends on uh, how much funding you're looking for. But if you're looking for sort of the smaller amount, sort of around zero to 25K, um, a, lot, a lot of us know that the banks aren't always lending, especially to startups, uh, new businesses. So – the banks, the banks are usually out for startups, but then you've got lots of options. So you've got things like obviously the startup loans, which is uh, what what we deal in. But then you've got uh, options like crowdfunding. So within crowdfunding, you've got the debt side, you've got equity, and you've also got uh, rewards base, which I can go into a bit later. And then there's also a couple of grant funding options available. Um, you have traditional angel investors that you can use. And then if you're raising a little bit more, there are some small VCs around now that can um, that will look into startup businesses. So there's a range of options there and it really depends on the individual founders, whether they want to go for the kind of debt, the equity, the rewards, how much they're looking to get and really also how long they have um, to be able to, to search for funding because a lot of people who have actually been for funding will tell you that it can very quickly become a full-time job. So you need to make sure that you've got uh, the team in place to go for the type of funding that, um, could best suit your business. That's really interesting, actually. The idea that it could, could become such a full-time job because it's that, you know, it's, I wouldn't say it's that difficult as such, but it just requires that much time. And the one thing that I just want to pick up on from that, that section there is the alternative finance because that's something that more and more businesses, more events that I go to, you know, in my daily life, people are starting to talk about this at the real grassroots level. So what does alternative finance really look like? What are the options very specifically inside that and what are the differences between them? Yeah, so um, gosh, the alternative um, funding space is uh, huge now. It's really, over the past kind of 18 months, uh, skyrocketed and there's new types of funding becoming available um, almost on a monthly basis basis and new companies um, spring up as well. So I guess probably one of the um, most well-known would be um, crowdfunding. 
which um, which crowdfunding can be uh, anywhere from um, as little as a thousand pounds, and now you have companies raising as, as much as kind of two three million pounds uh, in equity investment. So it's really um, quite varying in terms of how much um, you can access through crowdfunding. So perhaps um, it might be, be uh, best to walk you through a different uh, few of the different options for crowdfunding. Absolutely. Um, Crowdfunding is a really interesting topic to me, actually. Yeah, I'm, I'm keen to dig into this. Mm, so, I mean, if uh, one option is the rewards base, uh, where you've got websites like uh, Kickstarter and Indiegogo, probably two of the, the best-known reward sites. And um, that's really for best for startups that have a, a product they can offer or at least some sort of prize they can offer to uh, investors. And when I say investors, it's more like fans in a way. Um, I think uh, rewards-based crowdfunding originally was started through a rock band where their fans wanted to invest in the rock band to, um, to get them to tour because they hadn't toured for so long. So they said, look, we'll put together this pot of money if you go on tour. And I think that's where it originally came out of. But the idea is that rather than taking equity in your business or um, getting percentage back from debt funding, rewards-based is that they receive a reward whether they're purchasing your product up front. Um, to allow you to then go and make the products um, or whether you're giving them a prize such as a t-shirt and you, and you can offer different levels of prizes. Um, it's generally smaller amounts that are raised through rewards-based funding. Um, so you're looking at probably around the kind of thousand, maybe up to 50K, um, but there has been instances where larger amounts have been raised. And then um, a little, probably a little less known on the crowdfunding side is the debt funding. Um, so you can uh, crowdfund via debt where it's maybe for more established businesses, so maybe startups that have been trading for at least sort of 18 months to two years. Um, one of the biggest sites in the UK is Funding Circle, which you might be familiar with. And basically that's where you have um, a whole bunch of investors looking for a good return on their uh, money because they're not getting the best return on the money from the banks. And, uh, and basically they're, um, they're investing uh, into your business and they receive a a percentage back and then, and then you get uh, debt funding for that. And again, that can be quite large amounts of debt funding uh, up into the millions. And then uh, the other type of uh, crowdfunding is the equity-based crowdfunding where you have um, probably the two biggest known in the UK would be Crowdcube and Cedars. And that's where you have the general public investing directly into your business as a group and they receive equity in your business in return. And again, that varies in different amounts. And that's something that's accessible, but it's also probably one of the most misunderstood in terms of how difficult it is to get. I think a lot of startups see the headlines um, that, wow, this uh, company raised a million pounds in five days. This one raised 100,000 in 48 hours. Um, but what they don't see is the number that fail. And also they don't see how much work has gone into the actual campaign. And we started to do a lot of work with with startups uh, raising by equity crowdfunding and it really is kind of a three to six month campaign of planning your PR, your marketing, how you're going to actually get the word out about this. It, it's also a lot involving offline angel investors. So getting that initial 30 to 40% tipping point of getting funded um, usually by offline, which is a mix of um, friends, friends, families and um, and then if hopefully a few angel investors to really kickstart that campaign. So that's uh, definitely one that um, to be wary of and really seek advice before you get involved in crowdfunding because it can be quite a lengthy process. 
That sounds, I mean, it sounds so viable. I know that sounds really odd, but it sounds, you know, when I think about finance in the business, and this is probably naive on my part, obviously I know Kickstarter, Indiegogo and so on, and even Funding Circle to a degree. And then Ooh. you've got the banks and so on and so forth. But the idea that these things are becoming much more mainstream now, again, it, it probably sounds a bit naive, but it, it just feels like the opportunities there that wasn't there before. And there are guys like you out there that are taking that and actually productizing it, doing something really, really high quality with it to help guys out there that want to do this and want to access this. And I'm just comparing that to maybe 10 years ago, you know, when when it was so, so difficult and you had to almost go cap in hand, begging to the bank with a complete, really, really detailed, in-depth business plan. But actually talk to someone that still probably wouldn't quite get the vision. You know, it wasn't this lengthy process. And I find this shift really, really interesting. Is that is that a reaction to the to the economic climate? Is it a reaction to the banks or is it a reaction to something else? Yeah, I think it's, it's a bit of both, really. I think you've got a reaction to the banks um, where they're just not lending to startups. Um, you've also got this environment now where the the ease of which starting a business it's potentially the easiest it has ever been to start a business in the UK um, with the technology and the online tools available um, websites where you can get uh, access to freelancers around the world to help you with things that in the past may have cost you a hundred of pounds um, whereas now you can get a logo maybe for ten quid um, on a website like Fiverr or People Per Hour and so. I think it's a mix of the, the accessibility of the environment, um, the, the bank's not lending. And then also, um, I think generally, starting a business has become, I guess, in a way, sexy um, in that it's almost um, kind of the new celebrity in a way. And so people are, are drawn to it. And then when they get involved, they're seeing that um, while it is still a, a massive challenge to start your own business, there, there is really the tools and the support out there to help you to do it. I think you're right about, you know, being in business, becoming a bit sexy. And I think in the UK, it's something that I've, I've blogged about this, actually. It's, it's something that I, I'm really, really enjoying this kind of idea that the, the general government, the general education system, you know, right down to local level is starting to support entrepreneurship much, much more. And actually not just take the financial risk that we're talking about here, but they're actually, they're actually putting plans together to allow people to be incubated much more specifically. So it's not just a general business incubation unit. You are seeing things pop up like e-commerce accelerators and so on. And I find that, you know, when you add this kind of the idea of the alternative funding to the this kind of nascent growing trend of entrepreneurship in the UK, it feels like the, the UK is a really exciting scene at the minute. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think uh, I, I do talk a lot about London. That's because that's where our office is based. But we've also now got an office in the West Midlands and we're just about to launch in Liverpool and Manchester. And there's so many tech hubs and even non-tech hubs for startups in the major cities around the UK. I mean, Birmingham, for instance, is already accounting for about 35% of our demand and we've been there nine months um, compared to London, which is amazing. Um, and I think it's a mix of the kind of, the transport links are becoming a lot, a lot quicker, but it's also the remote working in that you can have teams around the country internationally. You don't have to be in the same, even in the same city now to, to run a company. 
And so I think it's the not only the ease of doing that, but then, like, as you mentioned, the local government, um, the local councils um, getting involved. Uh, I mean, the startup loan scheme is a huge example of that. I mean, um, 27,000 businesses funded through, uh, through government funding. Uh, I think the government's realized that startups are the way forward and they're really putting resources behind that, um, both on a national and a local level, which is fantastic to see and, and maybe um, possibly the best it's, it's ever been in the UK um, in terms of governments working with startups and SMEs to, to really drive the economy. Yeah, I wholeheartedly agree with that. I think it, it really is. There's been a tangible shift over the last six, seven years, which I think is fantastic. And there's so many businesses now and so many people that have just got so much more confidence to do what they want to do or what they believe in, which I think is fantastic. And one thing I just want to move into actually is, James, we've spoken about the alternative finance options, specifically crowdfunding. And, you know, that all sounds fantastic. And there are people out there, no doubt, thinking to themselves, wow, I didn't, you know, perhaps didn't realize this existed. But just like everything, if you don't do this properly, there must be risks associated with that. So what are some of the pitfalls to look out for when you start down this path? What are some of the things that people need to avoid? Yeah, I think it's initially making sure that when you're starting out, before you seek funding, um, before you may even seek a co-founder, um, really have a, a good think about laying out your business plan um, and, and your forecasts for, for the business to make sure that not only is there a market there, not only is your product or service in need, um, but can you generate the team around you that you need? Is it something that you really want to do that you really have an interest in and or that you maybe have the skills and the background in? So maybe you've come from doing something similar in a corporate life for 10 years or or maybe it's, it's a passion that you've had that you've always wanted to pursue. But I think the key is initially making sure you get the business plan. It doesn't have to be a formal business plan has to be a plan in terms of writing down on a paper um, why it is you're doing this. Um, can it make a difference? Can it compete what's currently out there? Making sure there's a USP um, and then doing that sort of 12-month initial cash flow forecast. And if you're going to do forecast initially, just stick to that 12-month cash flow because um, you'll realize when you start how important it is to make sure you've got that 12-month forecast uh, in place. I think that's something that people forget. I know it sounds really, 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 really obvious, but when you're caught up in the drive and the ambition of setting up your, specific, specifically your first business, it can be really, really easy to forget that side of things. The kind of, you know, for someone like me, the kind of boring side of the finance, I just that does not make me tick. And if you're not <laughs> careful, you really, really can struggle with that. And it comes back to bite you in the backside, doesn't it? Because six months later, suddenly you're floundering, you don't know where you are, and there's nothing to refer back to. There's no targets to hit. Um, and I think I think that is something that people genuinely do forget, particularly, as I say, when it's their first business. So I think the idea around investing the time and effort in a business plan, even if that business plan is fluid and flexible and you know you're going to shift it six months down the line, you need a starting point, don't you? Yeah, 100%. Um, and the business plan, it will change and it, it will um, yeah, change over the time and it'll also be different for which type of investor or way of funding that you're going for. So if you're crowdfunding, it'll change versus maybe angel investment or going to a bank, you'll have to modify it to do a separate business plan or, or at least a slide deck for those options as well. 
But I think key with the business plan is a lot of people leave it to last, but you should really do this as the kind of main part of your business plan more up front is focus on the sales and marketing because um, people, it's, it's bizarre, but they leave it as an afterthought of let's get the product or the service perfected and the team in place and everything. But then actually how we're going to make the sales and do the marketing is is so important and, and left usually to the end. So I'd say definitely focus on sales and marketing the most. And um, that 12-month cash flow, everything's going to take a lot longer than you think. Everything's going to be more expensive than you think. And it's going to be harder initially to generate sales than you think. So really being a bit pessimistic with that cash flow and then having a backup plan of if we don't make these sales or if this cost is higher, then, then what's our backup plan? Where can we get extra funding from is um, really key. Uh, I love the idea of the contingency as well because, again, so many people dive into that really, again, quite naively and just throw everything at their first idea, which is brilliant. You know, I applaud that passion and that desire to succeed, but real life sometimes do, does kick in. You know, you've got bad you've got bad debt, you've got people that just go back on orders, you've got logistical problems that kick in, you've got so many unforeseen circumstances that you do need to have that backup. And especially if you've gone down the funding route, you know, you need, surely you need some kind of backup so that you don't flounder what funding you do have because that you know after after a six nine month campaign you need to be able to be pretty agile and shift on your feet is that is that something that people generally do do you see people shift in direction quite frequently yeah 100 percent um just before i mention that actually there's one tip that i wanted to mention in terms of backup plan and that if you're um still working full-time in a, in a job 100 percent keep that job as long as you can before you um before you quit and you, and you go and do the business full time because so many times I see startups uh, quit their job because they're so excited to get it going but realizing it takes a lot longer than they think. So that's probably the number one tip in terms of if you have a, have a job, keep it as long as you can. Um, but in terms of um, being flexible, definitely. I mean, we see startups every day that are pivoting. Um, we had one startup that was um, developing an app for the Google Glass. Now the Google Glass obviously didn't do as well as they'd hoped initially. <laughs> And so um, they pivoted with that model and went in a completely different direction using that technology they had from the app, the Google Glass, but putting it into, into marketing and becoming almost marketing consultants using that technology. And they're now um, within a year of trading, turning over 100K a month. Um, so, so there's nothing wrong these days with changing your business idea. It doesn't mean that it's failed. Um, it's actually the smart entrepreneur that modifies his idea to what the market is asking for rather than trying to tell the market what it wants. <laughs> yeah, absolutely get that. I absolutely get that. And as I say, I think, you know, the idea of it's not it's not really a failure if you're just changing. Too many people get a little bit hung up on pride. You know, my idea, it's my baby and so on and so forth. And you're right, it's a smart entrepreneur that doesn't do that, that is, is bigger than that and can say, well, look, this is what people are asking for, so I'm going to give it to them. It's, it's almost a no-brainer, but so many people fall foul of that. And James, what I'd like to do now is we've touched on, actually on the first one, just a touch there, and I'd like to just dig into the three excellent expected actionable tips. So as I say, we've touched on the first one ever so slightly, but just for the audience listening out there, what is actionable tip number one for people that are looking to start securing funding for their startup? Yeah, so before securing funding, I would say uh, invest the time and effort in your business plan and forecast so you know exactly what you need. Uh, so when you're working on um, your forecast, as I mentioned, focus on the 12 months cash flow is super important. And then uh, with the business plan, you want to make sure you're covering things like if you don't have the expertise, do you not need to find a co-founder who does? 
can you bring on some non-executives or maybe some advisors who have done that before, maybe have the contacts that you need to build the team with that strong experience, making sure that your product service uh, can be competitive in the market. There is a demand for it uh, and researching that fully. Uh, I think you can never know enough about the market you're getting into. Uh, and also one common mistake with that business plan is once you have that plan, um, don't wait to, to start. Uh, if you're developing the plan and the product, don't wait to start to uh, reach out to your potential clients. Reach out to them sooner than even when you're in the business planning stage, re re reach out to your clients then because um, you can ask them questions about, actually, I'm thinking about developing this service and it may be that they all come back and say, actually, nobody needs it or it's too expensive and so you modify it and you change it. And so that way you're developing your business plan around real, um, real feedback from clients rather than building this beautiful service or product for a year or two and then going to clients and realizing that they don't um, want it at that point. That's a great, great tip. That's something that, that I wholeheartedly get behind the idea that you can, I mean, even if it's a tech product, you can get it into a beta, you can get it into some kind of testing phase where people give you active feedback and actually shape that product. And regardless of whether that's bricks and mortar, a consulting service, a tech startup, whatever that is, the idea that people tell you what they want and then you give them that, that is just so, so powerful. So I love that. That's a really, really, really great piece of advice. And Let's just move on to actionable tip number two, sir. Yep. So uh, number two, consider all the options available, bearing in mind the amount you need and how developed your business is. So when, when you're looking for the funding, um, do research all the options available because there are so many out there, uh, crowdfunding, banks, startup loans, angel investments, small VCs. Um, there's market invoicing as well. There's market invoice that you can crowdfund on. Uh, there's so many options out there. So also look for grant funding. So there are grants available maybe through an organization like Grantree, maybe through the um, massive European 80 billion pound grant fund called Horizon 2020. So definitely check out all of the options available and then make sure you have an understanding of, okay, which is best for me. So um, looking at how advanced is my business, each different type will have certain eligibility criteria. So that makes your job a bit easier that as you're researching, you'll see actually our business isn't eligible for this, this, and this. These are the two options maybe, and then researching which one's the easiest in terms of time um, and also value. So if you're going the equity route, what am I going to get the best return on um, in terms of valuation um, or debt? Is this going to be serviceable? Are we going to be generating enough revenue to, to cover that? So um, really making sure you look at the options um, and then also look at what stage of business that you're at to make sure that you make the right decision. I think it's so important to dig deep into each one as well and, and not take something at face value because as you said earlier about entrepreneurship, you know, something like crowdfunding may seem sexy because it's what people are doing these days. So I like the idea of just digging deep into each one of those. So again, another really, really solid tip there. Thank you, James. And the third and final tip for everyone listening, please. Yep. So if you have uh, multiple founders, uh, make sure you're agreeing on ownership of the business before seeking funding. And you've written this down into a signed agreement. So there are no arguments when you're raising the funding. Uh, so many times I've seen uh, where startups have, it's all rosy, co-founders are all very excited, um, spent six months creating the business plan, worked nights, weekends on it, hours and hours and 
they start to go for funding and they kind of never really agreed on maybe equity in the business. Um, never really were sure of exactly what, uh, what was required of each other in the business. And then you have these fallouts when they're raising funding or, or just after raising funding when contracts are maybe right at the end of being signed and then you've wasted all of that time. So I'd really uh, encourage everyone to, when you're looking at a co-founder or founders, it's almost like marriage in terms of <laughs> how much courting and, and making sure that that's a really strong relationship there because you're going to be spending a whole lot of time with them and there's some tough decisions to be made along the way. So be careful with uh, your co-founders and then also uh, make sure that you have written, signed legal agreements in place. Perfect. Love that. Because the, the conversations, especially if it's two friends or if it's two people that have previously colleagues, you know, it can be quite tough to have those difficult conversations. You know, they are quite uncomfortable. People don't like talking about that. But again, totally agree with that. I think you've got to do them early on and just get it out of the way, get everything down in writing, get it in black and white and just do it properly. So three fantastic tips there, James. Thank you so much. And just before we wrap up, can you just tell the listeners listening where they can connect with you online, please? Yeah, sure. So you can find our website, which is startupdirect.org. Uh, and the uh, best way to reach me is probably via email, which you can find on the website. Um, you can email us via apply at startupdirect.org. And then uh, happy to get in touch. Super stuff. James, thank you, sir. That's been a real pleasure chatting to you. And that is a value-packed episode as ever for the listeners out there. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me, Mark. Guys, don't forget, we'll put all of the show notes, everything together over at excellence-expected.com. Everything that we've spoken about today, myself and James, all of the links, everything that James has mentioned will be available over on the website. So do check it out, excellence-expected.com. And I've actually got a favor to ask, guys. If you like the show, if you enjoy the show, please, please, please tell a friend. Sounds simple. But if you do so, it will really, really help spread the word. So if you love it, tell someone. Thank you so much. And until next time, don't forget, the more you expect from yourself, the more you will excel. Bye-bye.